Father, we just thank you for your word today. God, we know that it's life, 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 life. And Lord, we come to your word today. God, and we just believe, God, in Jesus' name that you're going to talk to us. You're going to speak to us. Lord, we know that you have the great ability, once again, to speak between the lines. And uh, Lord, we're just asking that you would give us the ability to hear between the lines today, to hear exactly what you're saying and what you desire to speak to us. And Lord, we just say, yes, yes, yes. God, will respond to it in faith. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, say amen. Amen. Listen, this morning I want to share a few things with you. Uh, just over the last week or so, God really began to talk to me about some things. And uh, there's some things that are in there that are definitely personal uh, for me in this moment. But I believe that God wants me to share some of those things. So as I just kind of share with you what God's kind of saying to me, uh, I think he really wants to say some things to some people here today. So once again, just as we prayed, give God the ability in the room to speak between the lines. So you listen between the lines and say, God, I I believe you just want to say something to me today, and I want to listen in Jesus' name, right? Amen. So listen, we're going to start off today, and we're going to talk about uh, just two men that walked with God. The Bible says that they walked with God. Now, a lot of times when we kind of take a survey of biblical characters throughout the Bible, we don't connect these two fellas. And the reason I think we don't connect them is because they kind of have their own stories kind of apart from one another. But when you really look at the Bible and you really follow it, one of them is actually the other one's great-grandfather. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to travel basically from the bridge from one man's life, pretty much just great-grandpa, to kind of set up the great-grandson's life, and that's kind of where we're going to sit, and that's where the Lord has really been showing me some things, and we'll just kind of open it up and just believe God to do what he does best. Amen? So uh, through this process, my hope is just basically that we're going to be encouraged to grab a hold of a few things for the new year. So if you're taking notes today, our first scripture is going to be Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 through 29. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation, but Genesis 5 21 through 29. It says this. It says, when great-grandpa Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. What an awesome name. Verse 22, it says, after the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived, or Enoch walked in close relationship with God for another 300 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Verse 23 says, Enoch lived 365 years. And it says, walking in close fellowship with God says, then one day he disappeared because God took him. Another translation says that the Lord actually took him home with him. I love that. In verse 25, it says, when Methuselah was 187 years old, he became the father of Lamech. After the birth of Lamech, Methuselah lived another 782 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Methuselah lived 969 years, and then he died, and then he died. When Lamech was 182 years old, he became the father of a son, and Lamech named his son, or he named Enoch's great-grandson, Noah. So today we're going to talk about Enoch, and we're going to talk about Noah. Can you say Enoch? Say Noah. Let's start with Enoch. You know, sometimes as Christians, I think when we look at old great-grandpa Enoch, we think, man, that dude has always walked with God. And the reason we tend to think that is probably because when we read the few uh, scriptures that contain his journey, you know, in Genesis and Hebrews, we really just focus on the outcome of his life. That here's this guy that walked so close to God, this guy that pleased God so much that God says, you know what, I'm not going to let that guy die a natural death. I'm going to go get him and I'm going to take him home with me. But really, when you when you stop and you look at it, that's not the complete story. This guy didn't always walk with God. In fact, we just read it. If you can look at it again there in Genesis 5, 21, 22, it says this. It says, when Enoch was 65 years old, 
He became the father of Methuselah. Notice the next word. Verse 22 says, after. Can somebody say after? Come on, say it like you mean to say after. It says, after the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived or Enoch walked in close fellowship with God for another 300 years. So when you really look at that, that tells us for the first 65 years of this man's life, he didn't walk with God. So, you know, several years ago, uh, I began to see that and I began to wonder in my own heart, God, what's the reason? What, you know, what kind of happened in this man's life at 65 years old that caused him to have a course correction? In fact, if you, if you look at, um, at Hebrews, Hebrews, uh, verse 11, chapter 11, verse 5, when it says that Enoch pleased God, the word pleased there actually means agreement, that he got an agreement with God. So it's like, God, what happened at 65 years old for this man to say, I'm going to come in and Agreement with God. Now, as I begin to study, I found out that there was two trains of thoughts, uh, basically from theologians. And here's the two. In fact, I, I don't believe that it's one or the other. I believe they they both go hand in hand. And this is what caused Enoch to have the course correction. The first train of thought the theologians have is this: is that Enoch had a conversation with his great, 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 great grandfather Adam. Yes, I said that he had a conversation with his great, 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 great grandfather Adam. And in this conversation that Adam went into great detail with Enoch about how he would personally, uh, how he personally experienced basically walking with God in the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden. Pretty cool, huh? And in fact, there, there's biblical writings that, that, that are not canonized, but they're well respected in the, in the base of the Christian community that refers to basically at this time that Adam, uh, didn't just come with joy and celebration talking about what it was like walking with God, but he was actually heartbroken because he knew he messed up. And, he, and it was from a position of, of depression and a position of great anguish and, and of just knowing that, that he just, he, he blew it. And from that spot of remembering what it was like, of sharing basically this with, with Enoch, that it sparked a spiritual hunger in Enoch that sent him on this journey until he too learned how to walk with God. Am I making sense to you today? Yes, no. Now listen, before we brush this off as crazy, you need to remember uh, that Adam was only 622 years old when Enoch was born. And he actually lived till he was 930 so kind of put this in your head because we think so different. We think great, great, great. He's been long gone. We don't even know his name, right? I got my great-grandparents, and I'm done after that personally on the family tree. But here's this guy to understand that Adam only died 57 years before Enoch was taken up to heaven. So he actually spent uh, over 300 years hanging out with his great-great-great-grandfather, Adam. You all follow me today? So anyway, so they think that's one of the reasons. The second reason is this, and and once again, I believe I would lean more this way if I was going to pick between the two, but I do think it's both. But the second train of thought is this, is that at the age of 65, Enoch received this life-altering revelation, a life-altering prophetic vision concerning the judgment of God. Now, remember the book of Jude actually refers to uh, Enoch as a prophet and actually quotes one of Enoch's prophetic words that he gave. So here's a guy that clearly heard from God, that clearly had prophetic visions. But, but it's believed that when God revealed this life-altering prophecy at the age of 65 to Enoch, that God showed him that the pending judgment, that this pending judgment, the judgment of God, would be unleashed at the time of his son's death, the, son, the time of Methuselah's death, meaning this, that when Methuselah died, that this prophetic word was going to come to pass. 
Are you with me? Yes? Now, listen, throughout the Bible, we see that that mothers and fathers would name their children in accordance to what God was doing and what he was saying. We see it that in, in these instances that maybe God was moving in a certain way over the whole nation of Israel. And so basically he would speak to the parents and the parents would name them accordingly. Maybe it was over a region. Maybe it was what God was doing in their life personally as a testimony that they would that they would name their child. And then sometimes it was what God wanted to do individually in the child's life prophetically that basically that God would speak or they would God would give them a name and they would name the kid. Now, this instance is no different. And here's why I say that. Remember, we're talking about uh, Enoch receiving this life altering prophetic word about the judgment of God. Here's what the name of Methuselah means. It means when he is dead, it shall be sent. That's what Methuselah means. When he is dead, it shall be sent. Or another translation is his death shall bring. So that's further proof that here it is at the age of 65 years old. Enoch has this life-altering prophetic word. He names his kid because, once again, because the prophetic word that he's given is tied to the life and the death of his son. Amen? Now, let's fast forward across the bridge. Anybody feeling super encouraged already? All right, here we go. (laughs) All right, let's fast forward from the bridge from Enoch's life to Noah's life. It does get good. Y'all hang tight. We're just setting the groundwork. Basically, we know Methuselah is born simultaneously. Uh, you know, Enoch has this course correction. Watch this. I'm going to get super nerdy here on you. But 187 years after that moment, after that course correction, Enoch's grandson, Lamech, was born. All right? 69 years after his grandson was born, God takes Enoch to heaven. Fast forward another 113 years. Enoch, after Enoch goes to heaven, his great-grandson Noah is born. So we transition from Genesis 5 to Genesis 6, and it says this. It says that the people of the earth begin to multiply. And over the next few hundred years, hang tight with me here. After the next few hundred years, there's such a moral decline in the earth. I mean, in fact, it didn't, it didn't you know, we think it was 100 years, but it actually went pretty quick. In other words, it, was, it, it went downhill fast. But there was this moral decline, and, and God actually said this. He said that his spirit will not strive or would not abide with man forever. And it was this. Y'all can look here. It basically meant this, that, that when he said, my spirit will not strive or will not abide, meaning that the sin was coming so great in the world, God said, I got to back up. So he started to distance itself from basically the human race. And here's why. Because when he looked at man, he saw this. He saw wickedness in their hearts. That literally, the Bible says that every thought and imagination that man had was consistently and totally evil, that they were corrupt and full of violence. It was at this point the Bible tells us that God's heart was broken and that he was sorry that he ever made us. Pretty crazy, huh? So from this point, we all know that God decides to to wipe the human race off the world, right? Wipe wipe the human race off the world. And and he decides to to basically start over with another man. He decides to start over with this great-grandson that knew how to walk with God. This great-grandson that was a righteous man. The Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness, that he was a blameless man. We know that man was Noah, right? Right. All right. Hebrews eleven seven uh, says this. It tells us that Noah found favor with God. And then it says that he was because he found favor with God, that he was divinely warned of things not yet seen. He was divinely warned of things not yet seen. seen. So we could only assume here that that there's a possibility that uh, that uh, here's Noah receiving not maybe not the same, but a similar prophetic vision that his great great or just his great grandfather had uh, 869 years before 
Told you I was going to go geek on you for a minute. Watch this. So basically that here he is. He's divinely warned of things not yet seen. And it says that he was moved with godly fear. If you read what it says in Genesis, it said that he did that, that literally after Noah heard it, that he went and did exactly what God told him to do. In other words, he did it out of obedience. So what did he do out of obedience? He prepared an ark. We know that's a big old boat for the saving of his household. So then we transition from Genesis 6 to Genesis 7, and here's what we find, okay? The Bible says it, but it doesn't say it. But when you do the math, you'll find out this. That a hundred years later, from the time that God spoke to Noah, hundred years later, when Methuselah, when the guy that's named his death shall bring, dies at the ripe old age of 969 years old, what happens? The flood. So this prophetic vision of God's judgment was no longer restrained. Noah and his family entered the ark, and floodwaters are released. We know from above and underneath, right? And they kill every human and every animal that was not protected by the ark. Are you all with me? Okay. Now, here's the encouraging part. (laughs) Said all that to get here, so hopefully you're still awake. If you fast forward ten and a half months later, Noah and his family have been on the the ark, and we find this verse in Genesis 8.13. It says, now Noah, sorry, it says, Noah was now 601 years old. It says, on the first day of the new year. What's the day? First day of the new year. If you, maybe your, your version says, the first day of the first month of the first year. But on the first day of the new year, ten and a half months after the flood began, the floodwaters had almost dried up from the earth. And it says this, don't miss this, that Noah lifted back the covering of the boat and saw that the surface of the ground was drying. Here's why I'm reading all this to you, why I'm telling you all this. Because everything that Noah had witnessed, the wickedness, the corruption, everything of just man's heart so far from God. You you, you know, listen, we, we live in a state where there's very few of us. But can you imagine being the only person on the earth? Because I want you to notice something. The Bible does not say that Noah's wife found favor with God. It doesn't say that his kids found favor with God. It was the priest of the home that was the covering of the home that found favor with God. So here's one guy out of everyone in the world that found favor with God. So imagine everything that he witnessed and imagine all that he went through for being righteous. Now, we, you know, we know, we kind of heard along the lines that here's Noah as a preacher of righteousness, that he's, he's building this boat. Some would say for a hundred years that he preached basically what was coming. And did anyone listen? No. Are you all following me? So imagine, once again, of all that he witnessed, of all that he went through, in this moment, the first day of the new year, when he lifted back the covering and looked back, it represented, it marked a new beginning for his life. Are y'all following me today? Can somebody say new beginning? beginning. It's kind of like this, what I want to tell you today. Whatever the last year has held, today's a new beginning. You you, you know, there's something that's so funny, if I can just take a rabbit trail for a second. I, I am not a resolution person, okay? If you are... I'm sorry that I hurt your feelings there, right? So, and, and the reason is, even my old mother told me the other day. I said, I said, have you ever, have you ever made a res- resolution? She said, no, because I knew I wasn't going to keep it. And that's kind of how it goes with resolutions, right? It, you, you know, it's so funny. Everybody says we're going to lose 30 pounds this year, and they go buy a, you know, whatever, a $2,000 treadmill, and it becomes a, something to hang their clothes on. So true, right? 
Yeah, some of y'all did it. Anyway, so <laughs> I'm playing. All right, anyway, so li- listen, but it's this side of what happens with people of why are they making these New Year's resolutions? There's a part of people that says, you know, I know I got to get better. I know I got to improve. But what it really is, is there's something in the spirit of man that realizes that the change of the new year, it represents a new beginning. Is that not true? And, and not only that, there's, I think there's a desire in us to have a new beginning. It's, it's almost like, here, let me say it like this, this. Can you imagine in your marriage if there was a way to hit the reset button and start over? How many of us, how many, let me say, we, had, we would wear that reset button out. And the reason is, is because the reason is, and listen, we all, we, we all go, hey, we, we, we know that's not feasible and doable, and you just learn to, to, to work through the bumps of life. But, but, but there's that piece of going, you know what, everything's not easy. Yes? So there's that desire, once again, for a new beginning. But basically, here's Noah. Noah lifts this thing back, and he looks out, represents a new beginning, and it represents a new season. It, it meant this, that his God was doing a new thing. It meant that as God just closed one chapter of his life, and now he was about to open a new one. I, I, I think I'm prophetically speaking to a few people today, so listen up, okay? But here's the key. Let's talk about for a moment of how God wanted Noah to enter this new season in life, because that's key, right? God, God many times gives us new seasons, but it's what we really do with the new season that matters. Amen? So look what happens in Genesis 8, 15 through 17. It says, then God said to Noah, leave the boat. Somebody say, leave the boat. boat. It says, all of you, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Verse 17 says, release the animals. Can somebody say, release? Release. Somebody say, leave. Leave. Somebody say, release. Release. Listen, a solid year. Watch this. Please don't miss this. If you're getting anything today, grab a hold of this. A solid year, because there was another two, two and a half months that passed from the time that Noah lifted that thing up and looked out and saw a new beginning. Fast forward two and a half months later. So we're at a solid year that this guy, from, from the moment that he stepped foot on that ark and literally watched God supernaturally shut the door. And, and now here he is a year later, and God is now instructing him to leave the boat. Get this. That he is being instructed to leave the place that God had previously led him. Are you hearing me today? Here it is, the guy, the guy, how many ever years before God spoke to him and he went to work on this boat, right? And he, and he knew, man, it's God. He, he sees things changing. Listen, this guy, this guy did not supernaturally, or let me say this, he did not in the natural go wrangle up all those animals. There seems God brought those animals. You, you, you know, listen, some of y'all have a hard time getting your dog in the door. Imagine, imagine trying to get an elephant through the door. All right, so God supernaturally puts all these animals there, and God finally goes, now it's time. He steps up. God he shuts the door, and then it begins to rain, and then all those people begin to scream. Now they want to get in. Right? Now they want to get in, and there's a time where I'm sure that was absolutely chaotic, and you're talking about, PTSD of hearing all of that. And then, you know, all of those guys die. And then sometime later, flip it up, new beginning. And here it is now from all of that, God says, leave the boat. Once again, he was being instructed to leave the place that God had previously led him. But, but check this out, that he's instructed to leave the very thing that he worked so hard to build. You all follow me. It's, it's this to understand the, the need for the boat was gone. 
It was gone. Every, every bit of effort and energy and all that that he put into it, it was, it, it was the day had passed, a chapter had turned. We're done with that. Thanks for building it. Are you all following me? So, so here it is. The very thing that protected him and his family through the most difficult time they ever walked through, God's time to leave it. He's time to leave his comfort zone. He's time to leave his place of refuge. Am I talking to anybody today? Listen, and, and not only is he leaving the boat behind, but God tells him to release the animals. Now, before we think, oh, whatever, get out, go, go. You've got to understand this. In essence, what God was saying is, is, son, I want you to release the very thing that you have cared for so faithfully for the last year. To understand that I'm asking you to release what the, the God-given, the responsibilities, the assignment that I've asked you to hold on to so tightly. Have you ever been in that spot where God has said, here's what I'm telling you to do. You grab a hold of the assignment and you work that assignment as hard as you can. And then God says, now you got to let it go. How many of you guys know it's not that easy to let it go at that moment? Are you with me today? So here it is. I, I just I just think this, okay? No, let me let me go ahead because here's, here's what I'm getting personally for me, okay? I spent 14 years... At a church, 14 years. I had four babies at that church. Are, are, y'all, are y'all following me? And, 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 and I felt like we had a lot of spiritual sons and a lot of spiritual daughters, a lot of people that we built great relationships with. And, and, and man, I mean, th- those guys over the last 14 years, my church family became light years more family than my family will ever be. Are, are y'all following me? And so here we go, literally a year and a half ago, the Lord said, it's time to go. I knew it was time to go. We celebrated. We left. Time to go. But here I am in, in, you know, whatever, 19 and a half hours away, a whole lot of miles, like 930-something miles, long drive. Don't do it. All right? Some of you have. Don't do it. I've done it several times. Don't do it. So so anyway, so, so here we are. We're gone. And what happens? Because we spend all this time investing in people's lives, when something happens, who are they calling? And here's what I'm finding a hard time with. I, I'm literally, people are calling, hey, pastor, this is going on. Hey, PQ, this is going on. Hey, this is happening here. This happened. What do you think we should do? And I'm hearing this not only from staff pastors and staff members, but also people that were just leaders underneath us. Okay, just people we have a relationship with. And, and I keep finding myself going, God, why do I care? Right? And I keep saying, God, I'm no longer there. Why do I care? Why am I getting so aggravated at the people who are causing the issues? They're not doing it to me anymore. I'm free. Right? Are, are y'all... Yeah. If y'all can read my mind and know everything I'm talking about, you'll be like, bless the Lord, Pastor, bless the Lord. But, but literally, I'm going for that, and I'm going, God, why do I care? And the truth is, is guess what? I, I left the boat. Now I need to release the responsibility. Because guess what? I'm not their pastor anymore. I'm y'all's. Are you, are you following me? And so, so this is the part where I'm going, okay, i got to release the assignment. i got to release the responsibility. I'm finding the fact that I love these people. Y'all have met half of these people or some of these people, right, because they've all came. But, but you know, but there's a time where i got to go, you know what, you got to figure that out with God. you got to. i got to quit being the, the, the great go-between for you. I'm not your mediator. you got to figure it out with Jesus. Amen. So listen, I believe today that all of us should be willing to ask ourselves, what do we need to leave behind so that we can step into our new season? 
Because we all got it, right? It, it may not be some church in North Carolina, but there's something in our lives that said, you know what, I've got to release that so I can somehow walk into the new season God has for me. What, what do I need to not only leave behind, but what do I need to release so I can embrace my new assignment? Are you with me today? Listen, here's the funny part, is just as with every transition, all right, every transition life, we, we all go through them, but just as every transition, this new season in Noah's life would require different things than the previous seasons required of him. Please don't miss this. This season, this new season, will require different things than the previous seasons required of him. It would demand him to be different. It would demand his identity to shift and to expand. It would require a completely different skill set than he ever needed before. Do you understand that in this new season, it would require, it would demand him to trust God in new ways. And it's kind of this, if you think about it, in a relative short period of time, okay, because we see time much different than these guys do because we didn't live 900 years, all right? Noah didn't even have a kid until he was 500 years old. I'm thinking he needed a health class. So needed somebody to say, boy, let me come here. Let me tell you something how this works. <laughs> right. So hallelujah. All right. Anyway, so but 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 think about it in a relative short period of time. He went from being the first boat builder to the first sailor to the first boat captain to the first zookeeper. And then after that, he became a farmer. Are y'all following me? I'm going to build a boat. And most guys that build the boat don't sell the boat. And most guys that sell the boat aren't really the captain of the boat. Are, are you with me? I understand there's some overlay there. But, but then, then to go be a zookeeper? Hold up. You know what I'm saying? Wait a minute, right? And then you're going to go and you're going to be a farmer? So, so if, you, if you stop and you look at all of that, all of those were completely different roles. Different skill sets were needed, and they clearly, clearly, clearly required him to trust God in vastly different ways. Are you all following me? For me personally, I remember being at that big old church in North Carolina. I prayed about money. I prayed about finances. Pastor come to staff meeting, and he'd say, guys, we need this X amount of dollars. We need to believe God. We have faith for this because, listen, our mortgage payment was $60,000. Our power bill was $10,000. Yes, Jesus. Right? And, and, and God never disappointed. All right? But guess what? He was the one in the, in the lead filling the burden of that. His name was on that lease, not mine. You know, because at any day, I can pack up my little bags and say, bye, I'm going somewhere. Right? And I did. Right? But there's a difference between you step in the spot and now you got to look at the financial report. Jesus. My, it required different levels of faith for me in that moment of watch this, that, that before I, I've experienced God's provision as, as far as our lives, as far as mine and Jen's life. We have definitely seen God do absolutely miraculous things in that area. Uh, but I've never had to do it on a corporate level. And so, you know, when, when you guys aren't here, I'm in this room walking and pacing this room, praying and declaring the word of God and going, God, I thank you for increase. 
Are you with me? Increase in boom, 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 in all these areas. And guess what? Finances is a part of that. So that's a part where, you know, now God has proven, guess what, son? I'll not only be faithful to you as a family, but watch what I'll do on a corporate level. Are you following me? Am I making any sense to you today? So here it is. Once again, it requires us in every season to trust God in vastly different ways. And, and I just, you know, learn, you know, hey, I'm, whatever, I should know this by now, but I think it's come more real. Isn't that just life? M- meaning that as we walk with God, we rarely, rarely, rarely stay in one lane, one singular lane for our entire life. Yes? Listen, the trick is, and don't miss this, the trick is is knowing when to put your blinker on and knowing when to shift lanes. It's knowing when the anointing, when the grace, when the favor of God is lifting off of you in one area and knowing when to step out in faith. Why? So that in another area, so that fresh anointing, fresh grace, fresh favor, fresh different, right, can come on you for the next season and the next assignment. That's where a lot of people make the mistake. They, they, stay, they, they stay in their lane way too long, and God's already moved on to that lane, and he already moved over to nothing. He's done shifted back here and shifted back there. But because why? Because their identity was so stuck on that assignment and that title that they had, that role that they had, they can't move with God. Are you following me? And I have seen, listen, I have seen pastor after pastor stay in a place so long, the grace and the anointing is so lifted off of them. Once where, where I've, I've literally seen people that could have went, yabba dabba do you, and people would have ran to the altar. It was just so powerful. And then watch them stay too long and watch them get out of favor. And then, and then it got ugly. Are, are you with me? I, and I've watched people literally stay Stay, say, in businesses so long it dries up and, and it's not producing anymore. And the reason is they're, they're not doing anything wrong or anything different. The grace is just lifted. God moved over there five years ago and they didn't move with him. Are you all following me today? So I want us to notice, I know I said a whole lot, but going back to that verse where it said release, uh, release the animals and leave the boat. Going back to that verse or those three verses there, I want you to notice two more things. The first one is this. I want us to notice that Noah didn't do it alone. Please don't miss this. He left the boat with his entire family. They walked out of the old season and stepped into the new season as a family. The reason I say that, and please don't miss this, is I think sometimes, yes, it's a personal relationship with the Lord. We all have that, right? We should have that. And there's times where, obviously, God's moving in my life and he's not doing something necessarily in Jen. But guess what? When, when God called us out of North Carolina to Maine, we stepped out of that boat as a family. And the things that, guess what? It, you know, there's a, I learned something in the last year. And I'm not saying this to get some, oh, I'm not. But I learned something. Is, as I saw in the last year, you know, there's parts of being, being our age, being adults. There's things that you just suck it up and you go with. Right. There's sacrifices that you make and you get it. You know, it's for God. But then to watch your kids have to make those sacrifices and they don't make the connections. That's the part that breaks your heart. You you know, like I got I got a buddy that was on the mission field and he said he was sitting at a table one day with a whole pile of missionaries. And the head guy looked at him and he said, hey, boy, he said, have you ever went hungry for Jesus? Talking about starving. And I lived with that guy. We used to fast not because we wanted to, but because we had to, because we didn't have no food. 
truth. We call it force fast, right? So he, he, said, he said, yes, sir. Yes, sir, I have. He said, but do you know what it's like to see your, your kids starve? He said, no, sir, I don't. See, there's a different thing because what, what happens a lot of times as parents, we, we, we move through life and we forget that our kids are making a lot of sacrifices that we don't necessarily get because we're, we've matured to a level. We just kind of deal with it and move on. And, you know, for us, it was really in this. You know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty comfortable talking to anybody, if you can't tell, right? So, you, you know, in other words, I, I'm pretty confident in myself that wherever I go, I can make a friend. We can do that. The Bible says, be friendly, you'll get a friend. That's easy, okay? So, so I, you know, I got enough social skills. I can make that happen. And, and so, but when it comes to my children that had this group of kids that they literally from nursery up were with, I mean, you understand, we, my kids were at their house. Those kids were at our house. They spent a lot, a lot, a lot of time together. When, when our kids would walk in the room and people would scream their name because they were so excited. You know how kids squeal and stuff, right? They'd all squeal and they'd start and they'd run and they'd hug each other. It was awkward. You know, it's like they ain't seen each other in five years, you know, but, but it was that, that way every Sunday. And then to go here. And I watched my kids go through months of just being depressed. Are, are y'all following me? You know what? So we would do what we would do. We would, we would uh, you know, FaceTime those kids and stuff like that. And our kids kind of uh, looked for those moments. And thank God some of you guys stepped in and we got some surrogate grandparents in here, which is awesome. And we're, we are really appreciative of that. But, but, but there's this realization for me over the past uh, year and a half that literally we go as a family. And it's not just what, what decisions dad makes. It's what dad's decisions affects all of us. Are you all with me today? Yes? And, and, so, and so there's that side that I think God doesn't want us to miss, especially if we're the leader and the priest of the home. That, man, where we, where we lead, our family has to follow. They don't have to, but they do, Right? Especially if you've got an awesome, godly wife that's willing to go and willing to put up with your mess. Right? Y'all getting quiet on me. Second thing that I think we need to see is this, and this is huge, and this has really been a, uh, an eye-opener for me, and I'm, I'm going pretty long today, so hang tight with me. But number two is this, is that God refused to let Noah drag his past into his present. Leave the boat. Release the animals. He's saying, son, I refuse, refuse, refuse to let you drag that past into this present because I'm doing a new thing. Are y'all following me today? Listen, I'm, I'm personally learning, and this was me sitting at the kitchen table the other night working on this. You know, it was just stuff that I've wrestled with inside for months and months and months and months. And it's like, oh, wish you could have did that a year and a half ago, Lord told me that it helped me out a little bit you know but uh sometimes he's got to get us in the spot to listen but i'm personally learning this that we can hinder the process of stepping into our new season when we try to drag our past into our present y'all get that that we can hinder the process of stepping into our new season when we try to drag our past into our present let me give you a thought really quick and I'm not saying write this down as doctrine, but, but have you ever wondered why God said, Moses, Moses, take off your shoes, boy? Yes, it was holy ground, but he didn't want him tracking all that dirt into his presence. Y'all follow me. Sometimes God says, you know, we've got to get rid of that dirt on your shoes. You don't need to track where you have been 
all that stuff. Y'all follow me. You know, you walk, you pick up all that stuff, you drag it into church, we clean it up. Anyway, so I'm playing. I'm having fun. All right, so you, so you, you, you drag it in, right? My wife's going, you're so stupid. Anyway, so we, 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 we basically God's saying, you know what, take that off because I don't need all that stuff in here with me and what I'm doing now. So here's kind of what where I've been, and it's just me being honest. And um, it's kind of this. We, we, we all drag our past and our presence. We do this not only with the bumps and bruises of life. Listen, there's not, a, there's not a, a soul in this room that doesn't have a wound in it. Right? Some, some are, are deeper than others, and some are more fresh than others. Uh, s- some of them are scars. Uh, some of them are, are still open wounds, and uh, somebody pokes you in the wrong way, and it, whoo, and it manifests really quick. Right? Some of you guys, you just, you just um, have walls up, whatever. I mean, you, you know, it just is what it is. But, but we all got them in certain areas, and we all protect ourselves in certain ways. But, but that's, yes, that's what we're talking about, dragging our past to our presence. But, but here's what I'm getting. It, it's, it's, really, it's really when we do it with the good things in life. Y'all hang tight with me here, okay? I'm being pretty honest here with you. I, I realize, you know, from, from day one and the more and the more and the more, y'all hang tight with me for a second, okay, is, is coming here, there, there's been times where, where I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and I've really wanted, not that I've prayed and necessarily asked God for specific people, I know better than that, but, but we spent so long building that team in North Carolina, and we move here and we know God wants to establish a team. Meaning this, that this guy is not going to be the only pastor on staff. Not going to happen. Are you with me? In other words, there's a part of when I walk in here, I'm calling forth that worship pastor in Jesus' name. I'm calling forth that youth pastor in Jesus' name. I'm calling forth that children's pastor in Jesus' name. Right? In other words, there's something. In other words, if we want to go, if we want to grow and we want to meet the needs of a, of a community, of a region, then then one guy can't do it. Okay? Because I don't I don't carry... That anointing. And, and guess what? I don't carry the youth pastor's anointing on me anymore. I did that for whatever few months, and I can tell you very quickly, oh, my gosh, it is lifted off of me. <laughs> that is truth. I mean, I literally we'd meet with that group of kids, and I'd go home. I'm going, holy smokes. I'm going, yeah, I'm thinking, man, I did that for so long, and it was so easy. But guess what? Years ago, it it lifted, and guess what? There is no dual anointing riding at this moment, I can tell, right? And so, and, and listen, I'm definitely not called to, children, to pastor children either. L- listen, I can't sing. Y- y'all would all show up at preaching, not singing, if I was singing, all right? Are you, are you making, are you, am I following you? Are you following me here? Okay, so watch this. So my natural tendency is to do what? Is to go, God, we spent all that time with those people God, those people that were on our team there, let them be on our team here. And God's going, no. No. I'm going, but God, no. And I, and I, and I, are you all following me? So, so, I mean, like, watch this, okay? So, you guys were here when, some of you guys were here when Rob Cole came and Rob led worship. That was our youth praise and worship leader. I cannot tell you how much that I have messed with that guy wrongfully. Shouldn't do it. I know, and I know I shouldn't do it when I'm doing it. You ever been there? About him moving here. The other day I was in a group text telling his family, Merry Christmas, Dad, Mom, him. Okay? 
And mom said, believe in Santa Claus. We all, we know where that's at. Anyway, said, believe in Santa Claus is, is going to send me a, a, basically a ticket for a trip to Maine. I text back, I'm believing he's going to send you a moving truck. <laughs> but I know the answer is no. Daggummit, you know. And so here, here's the thing is, is, is kind of what I'm, under, what I'm hearing from the Lord is basically this, is, man, those people really represent a comfort zone for me. They were people, once again, that I had to release to come here. Are, are y'all following me? But in, in what makes it so hard, that guy gets up here, there's an anointing on his life to lead worship, and the whole dynamics of the place changes like that. You, that was the most you guys have ever been alive in worship. But why? Because you had a person in the position that's called to lead that in operation. Now, listen, don't hear. I'm, I'm super appreciative of our team, okay? But, there, but there's a big difference between someone that gets up and talks and someone who's called to preach. Okay? It just is. It's like, man, man I, can, I can change a tire, but I'm not Lindley. Okay? There's, there's just there's a different anointing. You know, I, I told him, what you do? Oh, I ripped out a transmission today. And I did it. Okay. I, you know, it, I don't even know where the transmission is. It's truth, okay? Don't I got I got Naomi telling me where it's at. That's awesome. So, anyways, y'all y'all get the point, right? So 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 there's this piece of going um, of going that and and then watching you know you know Pastor Josh and Pastor Sam and then Cameron came. All those guys worked on staff with me, and so once again they're here and we're just, they're three guys are just standing here worshiping, and they changed the whole atmosphere. It was a pre-service prayer completely. It, so, so there's that side that, that's going, okay, that, that wants to go. I spent all this time discipling every one of them. And, and there's this side of me that goes, God, I don't want to have to do that again. Are, are you all with me? Because we have been through it together. I mean, I mean, I have heard every deep and dark secret of every one of those boys. You know, and, and walk through with them and seen victory come and seen them grow leaps and bounds. And there's that side of going, God, you're going to send someone. I'm going to have to do that again. And the answer is yes. Yeah. Okay, God. But here's what I, here's what I realized through this process. I'm not, hopefully I'm not boring you guys today. Is, is this, thank you. Is, uh, rest of y'all are like, don't say nothing. Don't say nothing. Anyway, so is this, as I realized through this process is my trust is in Rob Cole, not Jesus. Because the fact is, the Lord's like, boy, if I did it then, what makes you think I can't do it again? You, are you all with me? So, so, so from a corporate thing, I need you guys to believe with me for those people. I mean, I really feel in my heart that we're a few positions away from God really going, okay. But we need certain people in place. And there's this side of this is, is as your pastor, worship is important. It, that's that's a core component, part of our community, our culture. We have to have. My, my prayer is this, is that when people walk in that room, in this room, that they'll see this is the very gateway of heaven, exactly like Jacob. I've told you guys that before when Jacob said, surely God is here, and I didn't know it. That people would come in, if they know him or not, that they would know, man, the presence of God is there. And then there's this side. Man, I was a youth pastor way too long. I love those people. I love them. They're hard-headed as can be, and they think they know everything. But, man, I love them. Right? And so there's that side of going, man, why would we not as a church want to believe God to create a culture like that 
and then to go, man, we are going to be a generational church. We're, we're, we're going to we're going to get a youth pastor to, to, to raise up our kids. We're going to get a children's pastor to raise up our kids. Why would we not want to get behind that? Yes. You me tell you, there the are two things that work in that. We'll just have a family meeting here a moment, right? Is this number one is finances. Listen, if we all gave, if we all gave what God's asked us to give in our tithes, it's getting quiet. That's my money. No, that's God's money. You're just a steward of it. Okay? If you get 10 bucks, give me your dollar because it's his. Amen? Listen, that's the way this guy lives. That lady lives. We believe in giving and sowing. Man, we, we believe in it wholeheartedly. And, uh, and you know what? So if, if we gave, and then secondly, we just got to get the right people. God needs to show it. And, and, and I'm sitting here today. We have some ideas. We have some ideas. We just need God to speak and do, the, do what only he can do. Right? Because he's got to put all the pieces of the puzzle together in his timing, not ours. Okay? So God is speaking. God's showing things. Uh, we, just need, we just need to meet him where it's at, where he's, where he's moving. Amen? It, let me maybe say it to you this way. My hope for today, the new beginning, new year, I'm getting so sidetracked here today, I wouldn't plan on telling you guys any of this, is where we're at today in a year from now, 2018, this place is going to look a lot different. And, and, and what I mean is it's not that something's wrong now. It's just growth. God builds. And God doesn't, listen, God doesn't tear down anything he builds. He tears down what the enemy has done, and he builds what he does. Right? And so, and I'm just believing that at the end of the year, it's going to be a really noticeable what, what's been torn down and what's been built up. Amen? Amen. All right, here we go. So let's, let's move on. I'm, thanks for hanging in there with me. We're almost done. Um, it, it's this, when we talk about forgetting not the, the tough stuff, but forgetting the good things. It's just realizing what God wants you to take with you into the new season. Okay? And it's kind of this, the verse that we've all heard. It's forgetting those things that are in the past and pressing towards the mark of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. The, the, the further we go in him, the less of us has got to be in the process. Yes? Yes? Amen. So, you, you know, this morning we're singing, I want more of you, God. God's already made it all available, but the hindrance of that is is us getting out of the way. So it's really in that moment, it's the prayer of John the Baptist. God, let me decrease so you can increase. And it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, there's some decreasing that needs to happen. Amen? All right, so listen to this. I just believe God wants us to be confident in this, that he's doing a new thing. That he is doing a new thing. Not only does he desire to do a new thing here corporately, but he desires to do a new thing in our lives individually. And, and it's part, part of him doing a new thing is where he says, just like you said in Isaiah 43, that the former things have got to pass away. So listen, it, it's kind of this, and this is for me, and, and we'll see if it fits for you. But, but God isn't trying to repeat or imitate what he's done in a former season. I'll say that again, that God isn't trying to repeat or imitate what he's done in a former season or in another location. Okay, this is a new season, and this new season isn't a rerun. Okay, he desires to do a new thing. And it's, and it's kind of, and I've already said it, but it's that thing of, of who he was for us in past seasons. We don't need to be afraid that he won't be that for us in the new season. Yes? But because, what, watch this, everybody please look at me. We're almost done. Hang tight with me. Because God revealed himself to me in this way in this season doesn't mean... 
that when he starts revealing himself to me in this way, total different way in this season, it doesn't mean that that part of him that worked in that season ceases to work in this season. Do you get what I'm saying by that? In other words, if he, if he showed you that he was faithful here and he's trying to show you that he's merciful here, it doesn't mean that his faithfulness stayed back there. His faithfulness moved. He just kept building on the revelation that's already deposited in your life. Amen? All right, here we go. So, um, real fast, what was the first thing that Noah did after he left the boat, after he released the animals? What was the first thing that he did to step into the new season? Don't miss this, please. In Genesis 8, 20, 21, it says this, that Noah built an altar to the Lord. And then it says next verse, and the Lord was pleased. Holy smokes. That's what we should all be after. And the Lord was pleased. That he built an altar. And, and, and it's kind of this, if you can grab a hold of this, that every new season with God begins at the altar. Every new season with God begins at the altar. If it's a physical win or the altar that's in our hearts. So what's an altar? An altar is a place that obviously you come and you lay stuff down yourself. And what, what always happens at an altar? Something dies. Something dies. There, you know, we, you know, we always say that Noah had two of every animal. He had, actually had more of certain animals because God foresaw that when he got off that ark that he was going to tell him you need to build an altar. So he saved animals that were simply for that moment. So there's things that are in your life that God will let you hang on to for a season because he knows in the next season you're going to have to lay it down at the altar. That was really good. Y'all follow me? That there's something there that's got to die. Okay? And, and, so, and so we don't need to be afraid of that moment. Right? I think all of us are so scared of that moment. We don't need to be scared. God so knows what he's doing. It's a matter of trust. Amen? So, so listen, it's this side of this that, that Noah's season began with a time of worship, prayer, and obedience. And I would encourage all of us to do this today, okay? To find time, if it's by ourselves, if we're single or with our family, to do that. To worship God, to pray and go, God, what are you saying for us in this new season so that you can obey it? Amen? So, once again, Noah's new season began with a willingness to sacrifice what he once cared for. It was at the altar that Noah positioned himself to receive from God's fresh dreams, fresh vision, fresh insight, fresh wisdom, fresh identity. And it was at the altar that God positioned and God prepared Noah to do what? To flourish. Do you understand that that's the will of God for all of our lives, that we would flourish in him? Amen? So let me give you this last verse, and this is really why, what we're all want to get to, okay? Y'all with me? Y'all got one more verse in you? All right. You're fine. I love you. All right. <laughs> let me give you this closing thought here. Genesis 8 9. This is kind of rewinding in the story, but I think there's something significant here. It says this. It says, but the dove could find no place to land because the water still covered the ground. So it returned to the boat, and Noah held out his hand and drew the dove back inside. One more time. But the dove could find no place to land because the water still covered the ground. So it returned to the boat, and Noah held out his hand and drew the dove back inside. The, if you have a King James Version or a New King James, you'll see that the dove could find no place to rest. You'll see that in there. No place to rest. So why is this significant? We all know that in the New Testament, the dove represents who? Talk to me. 
the Holy Spirit. Okay? So in that light, to take why is this significant, to understand that here's this dove looking for a place to land. Do you understand that the Lord is looking for people who are willing to host his presence? So there's this side of, here, here's the, we'll, we'll say it this way, the Holy Spirit is looking for a place to rest, someone to rest upon. Do you understand when Jesus was baptized and came up, the Holy Spirit descended, came and rested upon him, right? So here's the awesome part about this. It says that Noah is here, and Noah lifts up his hand, and the Holy Spirit comes, and, or the dove comes and rests upon him. The name Noah means comforter which means that there was a likeness there because the Holy Spirit is the comforter. But Noah's name actually means rest. So here's the, the dove looking for a place to rest, the one who is named rest prophetically. If you go back to, uh, back to chapter 5, prophetically named that, sticks out of his hand and the, and the Holy Spirit, the dove, rests upon him. That should be why every one of us want to make an altar, hear God, and obey God, and live in a way of what it says in Ephesians 5, circumspectly before the Lord, that we want to live in such a pure way because we want to be able to go, Holy Spirit, I'm a place that you can rest upon. Now, understand, listen, we all understand biblically that the Holy Spirit has sealed us for the day of redemption. We all understand that the Holy Spirit is inside us when we got born again. But there's something so different about the manifested presence of God. When God shows up in a big way, that's what he's saying. He's saying, look, I want to go and I just want to rest upon you, that our lives are marked with that. And see, to understand, that's why it's so important that we don't drag our past into our present. Because guess what? We've we got to leave that boat. We've got to release that, those animals. We've got to walk away from all that stuff. So why? So that the dove can rest upon us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we're simply asking you today, God, as, as your people, Lord, what do you want to do in this, in this new year? What's this new season look like for us? God, once again, young and old in this room, what's this new season look like? Father, we're asking today, God, that you would reveal to us, God, what boats we need to leave behind, not only as individuals, but also as a family. And God, we're asking today, God, you show us what we need to release. God, we want to be a people that, that enter into the present. It's going to sound a little odd, but um, I was watching a few uh, interviews. Just kind of hang tight in the moment. Keep your eyes closed. Of uh, Alabama football players. And... Um, they were talking about as a team this year, they've had a slogan that they've used, and it's, and it's this, is be where your feet are now. Meaning don't look back, don't look too far ahead, be where your feet are now in this moment. So, Lord, what do you want to do now in this moment? God, because we'll never set ourselves up for the future if we keep looking where we were at. So, Lord, today, if you need to heal anything, heal it. If you need us to release something, tell us we'll release it. God, just help us know which place to step into with you. Now, with every eye still closed, if you're not right with God in here today, in other words, if you never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, or maybe you've walked away from him, and you're just not in fellowship with him, um, it's going to be really hard to know what God's doing the next season when you're not right with him. So if you need to get right with him today, just lift, just lift one of your hands and say, man, I've got to get right today. I'll give you guys a moment. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thanks. Awesome.
Church, let's pray. Just pray out loud, and we're just going to pray for these guys. And if you're lifted your hand, just kind of pray these words with us. Say, Father God, you know exactly where I've been. And, Father, I thank you that the things that I've done haven't disqualified me from this moment and my future with you. So, Lord, today I'm asking that your grace and your mercy would follow me again. I repent. I ask you to forgive me of what I've done and who I've been. And I ask you, in Jesus' name, to save me. I confess today that Jesus is Lord. That he did die on the cross and raise from the dead for me. So today I'm asking you for a new beginning in you. Holy Spirit, make your home in me. Be the Lord, Savior of my life. Jesus, come be that for me. Amen. So, Father, today I just pray for your people. Lord, I thank you, God, for every person's heart in this place, God, that they are so hungry, God, and they just want you. Lord, that we want to do it your way, and, Lord, we want to do it like Noah, where it says that he built an altar and it pleased you. Lord, we want those words to mark our lives, God, that we pleased you. And, God, we also want just in this new season to go with the mindset, God, just as Noah and Enoch, that we walk with you. That we walk with you, God, in such an intimate way. Father, we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Let me find my piece of paper, and I'm going to tell you a few announcements, and we'll roll out.